Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward, and this week is episode number 157 with Emily Wanless. Um, if you guys remember last winter um, for episode number 133, I interviewed uh, Emily's husband, Ryan, who had just completed the Arrowhead 135. And, uh, which is like an extremely crazy cold race. Uh, so definitely is what it was one of my absolute favorite episodes of the show. And right when Ryan answered, um, and we started kind of chit chatting before the show, he was like, dude, I don't know why you reached out with me. My wife is the actual like badass, like really fast ultra runner. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, man, you should totally interview her. And I was like, oh. Yeah, definitely, man. And then like maybe a month later or a couple months later, I got an email from a friend of Emily's, uh, Marie Waddell. And uh, she was like, yeah, you need to interview Emily. And I was like, dang, man. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, so that's the episode that I'm bringing you guys today. And let me say, um, Emily did not disappoint. She is awesome. Um, She's a great runner, fast runner. and in the episode, we talk a lot about the um, kind of an ultra running scene that doesn't get as much attention as I think it it probably deserves, which is the Midwestern ultra running scene. So races in uh, Minnesota, South Dakota, Iowa, um, Wisconsin, things like that. Um, as someone who is Midwestern, uh, one of these races is really kind of like I want to run a race in the Midwest. I want to run a 50K or a 50 miler and and really kind of like spend a day traversing the Midwestern scenery on foot uh, because I grew up there and I think it'd be a way for me to kind of like connect to to my home and to my history in a way that I haven't yet because at this point I've ran all my races um, either on the east coast in Virginia North Carolina or out here in Colorado um, or Utah and so I think it would be a really cool experience and based off what Emily says I'm gonna have to get out there and check out some she was talking about um, specifically the Black Hills 100k that she ran and I went as as she was describing some of these races I was going online and looking at pictures of them so I can kind of like visualize where she was running through and man like it's so pretty if you are not from the midwest you probably have this misconception in your mind that it's 100% cornfields and uh as someone from Iowa I got to say it's only like 93% cornfields <laughs> no uh there are there are these amazing places um, that you wouldn't expect. Uh, and it, all it takes is getting out there and really kind of diving into the areas and exploring. So I think if you're someone from the East Coast or from the West um, and you're an ultra runner, check out some of these races. Um, I think you actually will be surprised with what you'll find. Um, I know now when I go back to my hometown um, as a trail runner, which I wasn't growing up, now I get to go to these state parks that are around my house and it really like opens my eyes and I'm like whoa like this area is so unbelievably beautiful and I guess you know when you grow up in a spot you just don't um, appreciate it as much until 
you move out and you see other parts of the world and then you get to come back and you get to realize um, how good you had it and what you had, uh, which is super cool. Um, we also get into Emily's future plans in this episode, which uh, involves going to one of the absolute biggest ultra races uh, in the whole entire world, the CCC in France. So she's about to go out to do that. She's training for that. So we kind of get into what her expectations are and how she how she's approaching that event. So um, like I said, I really enjoy talking with her. She's so humble um, and she's like in a, just an absolute great runner. And I love picking the brains of really successful ultra runners to kind of see what's working for them and trying to think like, how can I apply that to my own training and my own races? So um, let's dive right, right into this. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast, number 157 with Emily Wanless. All right, guys, I'm here with Emily Wanless, and uh, we were just talking about 14ers, and I'm like such a 14er slash mountain nerd that uh, I want to hear. You just mentioned that you climb Mount Yale, so. Uh, well, I've um, spent a, quite a bit of time in Leadville the past couple years, and so I've dabbled with a few 14ers, you know, in close proximity to Leadville, so massive, and Albert, um, and then I did Harvard last year on my birthday. And I was talking with a, a couple friends, um, one that lives in Leadville and, and one that's done every 14er um, that Colorado has to offer, and they both suggested Yale. So uh, a girlfriend of mine that's training for the Leadville 100, uh, I just called her up and said, hey, you want to go to Yale? And she said, yeah. So we drove down there. It's super easy to access, and it was a great trail for kind of combining you know, some steep vert climbing and then also being able to run down. So yeah, good training. That's cool. So when you're climbing a 14er with someone, uh, who's training for Leadville, like, are you running most of it or, or what, like, how does that go? Uh, we power hiked all the way to the top. I'm kind of a chicken when it starts to be a scramble. Yeah. I don't really care for, <laughs> for that part of it, but I'll do it because that sense of, you know, accomplishment. She was all about it. Yeah. It was pretty windy top. Um, but then we, yeah, we, we tried to bomb it down. That's cool. How long did it take you? Uh, that one was about five hours. Okay. It's not, not terribly long. Um, I want, and it's, you know, it's not a, a super tall, I think it was like 14, 180 or something. Okay. Um, but it's, it's easy to access from the road. I mean, the trailhead is a paved parking lot, which is nice. You don't have to do like yes. 20 miles down a dirt road. <laughs> got off a windfield. Road. Yeah. Yeah. You might be talking me into doing Mount Yale tomorrow then, because <laughs> that's the, like, honestly, you don't even think about it, but the whole like approach, the drive to the trailhead on some of them, it's yeah. such a pain in the butt. That's like, man, I don't even want to mess with this. When we did massive, we did the, the shorter yeah, route. Yeah, yeah, I've done that one. I think we spent more. <laughs> we got lost. We didn't even get to the summit. It was so disappointing. Oh, but no. um, we were on a time crunch. We were on a time crunch, and so that's why we took the shorter route. But I think we spent more time driving yeah. down this awful dirt road than we did actually, you know, hiking and climbing. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping he doesn't listen to this. But I borrowed my wife's stepdad's Jeep to uh, to drive that <laughs> road because we're like me and my buddy Calvin. We're like we'll do the 
the shorter route, which ended up being like really hard, actually, like really steep. Yeah. Um, but we're driving down that road and I hit this like weird pothole and we started like tipping for a second. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm about to crash my my stepfather in law's Jeep or something. Not good. <laughs> but I did. <laughs> yeah, we were in. We were in my friend's rental car. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Well, there you go. That's better. Yeah. You can totally do that. Um, mm. That's cool. So what, like, how often are you out in Colorado? Um, I, I've, you know, I've, I know that you're pacing in Leadville um, coming up. So how often are you out here? Yeah. Um, so the past two years that my husband um, did the Leadville 100, um, we spent, Two years ago, uh, you know, making, I don't know, maybe four, four longer weekend trips. And then last year when he was doing Lead Man, I, I deemed us um, common law residents of Colorado <laughs> because we basically lived in our Airstream. Uh, we have an old 1967 Airstream that my dad and Ryan re, um, refurbished and just brought the dog and hung out pretty much all summer long. That's and it cool. was wonderful. So, yeah, you get to get to know the area pretty well. And we have a lot of friends that would come and visit um, with us or they'd get an Airbnb and we, you know, get to go climb mountains with, with friends, which was fun. And then, yeah, so um, this year I, I came out, oh, it was maybe a week and a half ago. Um, my friend Brian did uh, the High Lonesome 100, okay. which was an amazing race. Um, insanely difficult. If anybody is looking for a, just a brutal hundred, I think it's got like 22,000 feet of climb in the hundred. Um, and you, I think you top at 13 plus two, two or three times. Ooh, that's rough. So, yeah. So I, um, I, it was great training for me and he was, I, I didn't really, um, he didn't get to ask me if I would pace. I just told him I was. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, luckily, he's a great guy. And, and so he let me pace uh, for about 40, just under 45 miles. And it was wonderful. Beautiful. Wow. Wow. Um, I'm actually doing a podcast right after talking with you. I'm doing another one uh, with someone who ran her first 100 there. Oh, that was her first. I think I think it was her first, and Man. yeah, wow. that's what I'm like. Wow, that's a brutal one to pick. <laughs> it, yeah, I'm impressed. That's just crazy, <laughs> but yeah, he did great. It was fun. That's cool. That where, what what town is that at? They said Salida, but I'm pretty sure it's out of Buena Vista for okay. the most part. Um, and it was great because well, it started in a. You know where the Mount Princeton hot springs are? Yeah. Right there um, in a field, just a random field. (laughs) Pretty funny. Um, (laughs) But uh, it was nice because it was so long in between aid stations that we as a crew could go back into BV and grab lunch or, you know, breakfast, dinner. You're out there for 30 something hours. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Well, yeah. so yeah, so I've heard you're an amazing crew and pacer and aid station worker and all that, <laughs> which we'll definitely get into. But I want to hear about about you uh, as an athlete and like your ultra running journey, I guess. So I guess my first thing I was thinking about is why why did you choose ultra running like out of everything? And I'm thinking of it as a question for myself too, really. <laughs> but it's like, why ultra running yeah. out of like every hobby you could do? What is it about ultra running that like really like ignites your passion? 
Um, well, growing up, I never ran. My poor parents were both marathoners and loved running and could not get either of their daughters to run with them. <laughs> um, and I didn't, <laughs> I rode horses growing up. That, that was what I did. Um, and that's a really expensive hobby and uh, wasn't really an option, you know, out of college. And so I actually started running because of Ryan um, and to lose weight. I had gained uh, more than the freshman 15 in college and um, it was a good way to get healthy. And then he started running longer and I started running longer um, and just fell in love with the community um, and the challenges that ultra running presents. And on top of all of it, just being on the trails. Yeah. And I, we just love being out in the woods. We call it forest bathing and you just got to get that fixed. So, yeah. um, but I started running, um, like three miles, five miles total. And then, um, Ryan was doing marathons at the time and crewing for marathons is really boring. <laughs> and, uh, so I thought, well, I could do a half marathon in the time that he did a full marathon. So I didn't tell him I signed up, uh, for this. It was the Birmingham. We lived in Athens, Georgia at the time. And it was the Birmingham half marathon and marathon. It was a great race. Um, and I did a seven mile run, a six mile run, a five mile run the week of the race. Those are the longest runs I'd ever done yeah and then I I tapered for two days because I knew you had to taper <laughs> and we shot we showed up for packet pickup and we both said our last name when they asked for the runner's name and he looked at me and I said oh yeah I signed up and it went okay and uh I promptly got injured because turns out you shouldn't just go couch to half marathon yeah. <laughs> on two days of taper um so so yeah, that was fun. we've all we've all made that mistake couple, for sure. You know, <laughs> yeah. So I did I did a couple half marathons, and then I swore I would never do a marathon. That was way too long. Um, and I made a deal with Ryan that the only marathon I would ever do was if I got into the New York City Marathon. And that was back when they were doing that weird lottery thing. Yeah, and do you, uh, they don't do that anymore. And I no, they got in trouble because it they were just basically using it to generate funds or something i can't no, really no. remember but That's yeah so but ryan got in and he did it and so then i said oh phew i don't have to do it now um and then when we moved to sioux falls south dakota um uh the 605 running company started and they started with with some group runs and i always ran by myself i never ran with anybody i was terrified to run with people um and i ended up going to this group run and i i've started running and chatting with these two women, uh, Sarah and Glenda. And we talked about beef jerky and <laughs> um, reject hunting dogs. And Sarah's husband <laughs> was a faculty member um, were at the college that I work at. And so we had that in common. And she was pretty snarky, which I appreciated. And it turned out that it was a lot more fun to run with people. And so that's kind of when the running every day with the community started. Yeah. Uh, and signed up for Fargo full marathon and got injured. Uh, but knew that I kind of wanted to move up to that distance and then signed up for Fargo the second year and had a horrible race at like mile 13, the wheels fell off, which is just a horrible feeling. 
And before I signed up for my next marathon, I signed up for a 50 miler. Um, I'm not quite sure what happened, but yeah. I'm sure I'm sure some sort of adult beverages were involved. And Ryan, Ryan elbowing me saying, Oh, it'll be fine. You'll yeah. Be great. You can do it. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I spent the next couple, that was the Zumbro 50 in Minnesota. Okay. And it's a, um, midnight start. So I spent, I think like six months freaking out about this midnight start and how I was going to just get lost immediately. And then it started and it was great. And then it dawned on me that the next six hours were going to be in the dark. So that was pretty special. <laughs> Didn't even think about that part. Yeah. How many but. people were running that one? I don't know. A couple hundred maybe. Okay. So that's cool. So you're kind of like with people and stuff in the dark part. Yeah. Well, so there's a slightly maybe relatively funny story, but on their Facebook cover photo was a awesome shot of the headlamps at night and it was one of those like time-lapsed ones yeah so it was a constant line and i was like oh my gosh ryan they have rope lights i'm not going to get lost this is amazing and he just looked at me like i was crazy and he's like those are headlamps and i was like oh right that's like when you're a husband and you're like do i do i burst her bubble here or do i just let her believe that (laughs) for a while right yeah no it was cool, actually. Last weekend at High Lonesome, they're sponsored by Black Diamond, and um, my friend Brian, who was running, and I uh, kept remarking, they had on every course marker um, a little tiny black LED light that you could see for a half mile. That's really cool. Um, I'd never, and it was great when you're up on the mountain ridge and you really, I mean, it's pitch black and there's nothing, you, the reflective strips are nice but these lights were amazing so everybody should do this <laughs> that's super cool yeah that makes sense well so that's funny so going to a 50 miler like i guess at that point let me just put this out there you're a really amazing runner you know like you're really <laughs> really fast and uh you've won um your last few races and then looking at your ultra sign up i'm like holy crap you know and ryan told me that ryan just to like give him props he was like you should interview my wife. She's a badass. I think that was like his exact words. <laughs> um, so like when in the point of the journey, did you realize like, oh, like I can actually be like really successful at this, you know, not just running and like enjoying it, which is obviously like, I personally think that's a success, you know, just like enjoying the run, but like also racing, you know, like when did you realize, oh, I'm like actually pretty good at this whole racing thing. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I, I'm trying to be better about accepting um, <laughs> compliments. Nice, nice, <laughs> n- yeah, nice words. Like, so, so, first of all, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm trying to say that, but, but I mean, and I, I'm not saying this just to be self-deprecating or whatever. But I, it's kind of like slightly a, a, a big fish in a small pond, if you will, right? So I went to Silver Rush last year in Colorado and got my ass handed to me, um, by these amazing women. And, um, and so these Midwest races I think are so difficult and I'm not trying to diminish their value, but the level of competition, um, for the most part maybe isn't like the coasts, I guess. But that being said, I was really excited for Zumbro this year. I signed up for the 50 again, um, because these, it, it had such fierce competition. There's a girl, Gretchen, from 
up north of Duluth, and she is an amazing runner. And it was finally the opportunity to get to run with her, just to kind of see how I stacked up. Um, Because I did, you know, if you look at my ultrasound up, you'll see I I had success right away, which was surprising. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, how did I know... at Zumbro, so Zumbro 50 was my first 50, and uh, the first, it's three loops, and the first loop I was running with a guy, and we kept passing 100 milers, and they kept saying, you're first place female, and I was like, no, that can't be, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's dark, you don't you don't see, you know, all you see are headlamps or whatever, and when I came through the second loop, and they, had, they mentioned it at the, the start-finish line, I was like, oh, that's crazy, well, somebody's going to be coming soon, you know, like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just running my my race in the dark and hoping I don't get lost and and I finished first and that was amazing but kind of seemed like a kind of a glitch that you know yeah I don't know yeah it's weird it's a weird <laughs> feeling because you're like weird. you're like no like it can't that can't be true like you know because you think no. you think to yourself you're like oh like you know there's I, all these sponsored like elite athletes and stuff and like I'm just Emily you know but <laughs> I have no bu- I have no business no business being up there with these women and or, or men for that reason. So kind of the first the first couple of races that were smaller, I mean Dumbro isn't small, but for women it's a smaller field. Is I always kind of look to see where I stack up on the overall field. Um and that's that's a good way I think to see how you're doing. Oh yeah. But yeah, that makes sense. It's fun. It's it's fun, definitely fun, you know, when you're successful, but it's just fun being out there too. Yeah. Meeting people. I love meeting people. I hate running by myself now. I started that way and I will talk everyone's ear off on the course. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever had so I do that too. And I can tell if I'm having a hard race when I like go completely quiet and don't I did a race last September and I like didn't talk to anybody the whole race. I was like, Whoa, I was not feeling good at all. <laughs> Is that kind of the same for you? Um, I find that I get really desperate when I start feeling terrible to find somebody to talk to. I don't think I ever really get quiet. Uh, sometimes I want to put music on and not talk. Yeah. that That's probably just to mix it up. But, you know, on these longer runs, sometimes when you get paired up with somebody, um, just because of proximity reasons, I mean, you're with them for a long time, <laughs> like hours. Yeah. And it's always fun at the beginning, you know, get to to know somebody but sometimes you're just like okay i have nothing really else to say to you (laughs) but um actually the the guy that i paced uh and crewed for at high lonesome brian we met at hitchcock um 50 um which was another night start that one started at 9 uh 9 p.m and we had gone back and forth he was faster on the downhills and i was faster on the flat and we just kind of he's i should note that he is six seven and I am not quite I'm not I'm not quite five two and so we look ridiculous when we're running next to each other that's awesome but yeah but so we started I was so Hitchcock was probably the hardest single moment up until that up until that point of running that I'd ever had and Ryan was doing the hundred and I knew I would run into him at some point, and I had fully convinced myself that I was dropping out of the race, and I was just going to pace him because I didn't want to do it anymore. It was too hard. Yeah. Hitchcock is insane. Um, the amount of climbing that you do in Iowa, you would never believe. Who it. would but think it, that? Yeah, that's crazy. Oh God, it's 
I mean, it's got 10,000 10, feet of climb for the 50 Jeez. and 20 for the for the 100 in Iowa. I mean, it's just, we told Mike Gordian that at Boston, and he he was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then he goes, wait, Iowa? And we were like, yes, <laughs> it's, it's true. It's in Iowa. It's in Council in Bluffs. Like, Bluffs is in the name, right? So. Yeah, 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 yeah. People don't realize but that. So, I got to say this as an Iowan no. real quick. Like I grew up on the Mississippi River <laughs> and I've taken pictures um, at this state park, this state park called Wildcat Den by my house. And people have like told me like that looks like Hawaii because I've taken I've been there in the summer. But like the hills and there's like caves and stuff. And it's like, yeah, man, like if you get on the edges of the state, you're going to find some hills. It's going to be tough, you know? Yeah, they've got... um. Mines of Spain now, which is going to be in its second year, and it's in out of Dubuque, and Ooh, there's yeah. some serious climbing. Yeah, some serious climbing there. Yeah, my um, mom does bike rides from where I'm where I'm from, Muscatine to Dubuque, and it just sounds brutal. I'm like, Mom, why are you doing this? You know. Mm-hmm. But I hope she's done ragbri. She's she's. I think this year was like her like twelfth year of ragbri in a row. Ugh. That's so amazing. Yeah. I love that. It's oh, so cool. Yeah. yeah she, I, she's, and every year too, she calls me like halfway through. She's like, I'm not going to do the whole thing. I'm like, that's not true, mom. <laughs> like you're, you know, you are. And she did again. So there you go. Um, yeah. when you talk about like Midwestern running, I did want to ask you that. Cause you know, like you're from South Dakota and that's, you're like, you've done a lot of the Midwestern races, which is really cool. Um, and I think people haven't fully discovered a lot of the Midwestern races yet. Um, so, like, how are those different experiences from when you've come out west or when you've gone east or anything like that? Um, so I've never done any. Well, I guess I did one in South Carolina, but that was that was not that was really tiny. Um, okay. The <laughs> the Midwest runs are amazing, and I feel like. Midwesterners do a great job of beating the drum about how great our races are and <laughs> no one listens to us. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I mean, I go every, everywhere we go, we're talking about these races and, you know, just give them a shot or like, for example, Black Hills, um, is, uh, Black Hills hundred. Uh, they have a 50 miler, 50 K and a 30 K and it is a fantastic race on a beautiful trail and it's hard and people don't think that they think, um, flat or rails to trails or, yeah. you know, I don't know what they think, but it's just unbelievably relentless and it's rolling hills and it's hot most years or it's hailing, um, when it's not hot. Um, but we go everywhere we go. We tell people, you've got to check out this race. You've got to go to Black Hills, you know, and I feel the same way about Hitchcock. Um, I absolutely love Hitchcock. And I will tell everybody that they need to go and experience it. And they don't believe us. I don't know why. Um, but <laughs> it's less of a production. So I've done, outside of the Midwest, my experience has been races in the Leadville Trail Series. So the Marathon um, and the Silver Rush 50. And then obviously I've crewed for the 100. Um, and down in Javelina. Okay. Um, we've done Javelina twice. Um, and those are big huge production yeah. like they have a million staff members they've got all the equipment they they've done it year after year after year race after race after race and it's they're pros you know and i feel like the races in the midwest 
um, are less, I don't want to, I don't want to sell Javelina or, or Leadville short, but less commercial in a way. Yeah. Um, and so like the Rocksteady running and John Storkamp, who does a lot of the Minnesota races, um, those, they have their own brand, but it's a brand of like family. And so the community you meet, you see every single one of these races. So Superior, Kettle Moraine, uh, which was in Wisconsin. Um, what did I, did I say? Superior, uh, Zumbro. You know, these are all Afton. These are all part of the same series, um, running companies, races, and the the people that participate are the same. And so we've made so many friends um, because of our participation in these races. And you don't, you know, I met some cool people down in Havelina, but I didn't meet anybody only at Havelina that I've, you know, stayed in touch with. Yeah. Yeah. That that totally makes sense. And I, I've, I felt that way almost when I was in Virginia and there was, I would do like, kind of like just local Virginia ultras sort of, and you would see the same people at each race. And then you wouldn't like, I wouldn't see them again for until the next race basically. But then you'd be like, Whoa, Hey man, (laughs) you know? Yeah. It's, it's been cool. So when we did Black Hills just like a month ago, um, we kind of see it as our as our home race. We just bought a little tiny house in Sturgis where it starts. And um, in fact, a motorcycle is driving. It's rally week here. So, so we'll um, just hear motorcycles like in the background the whole time? Yeah. That's oh, cool. God. <laughs> I, I'm trying to embrace it, but it is not my cup of tea, which is ironic that we moved just, to Sturgis and you hate motorcycles. It's just going to be motorcycles and like Leonard Skinner just rocking. Yeah, pretty much. I have a Snoop Dogg is coming on Wednesday. Whoa, what? I know, I know. That's cool. Um, Oh, but anyway, so sorry. Um, So the Black Hills race, we kind of saw it as our home race. And we had a huge community from Sioux Falls come because it's, you know, the closest race for for most of the Sioux Falls Trail community, which is wonderful and growing. But also everybody from all these Midwest races, we were like, you got to come to this Black Hills race. Yeah. And everybody did. And it was so neat to see how many friends we've made. Um, You know, the finish line, I felt like a child, like an ADD child. I couldn't focus because there was like cool person I haven't seen in a while after cool person I haven't seen in a while after cool person I haven't seen in a while. And yeah. just, you know, you want to talk to everybody and everybody, it's great finish line and it's a good time. That's so cool. The I'm on their website right now and the pick, like the, the scenery that you're running through looks incredible. So the Centennial trail is amazing. It starts in Bear Butte, which is this giant, um, well, Bear Butte, <laughs> Butte. Um, but it's in the middle of nowhere. It's about 1,300 feet of climb, maybe, in a mile and a half, straight up. And that's the start of the Daniel Trail. And then it goes all the way um, to Wind Cave, I think. It's about 113 miles, and it's just beautiful. Wow. Yeah, that looks – I'm now I'm like, when is this race? Because I'm, like, setting up my, my year for next year, and that looks pretty cool. Yes. Yeah, it's the, it's always the weekend after Bighorn, so a lot of people have to decide. But as, as Bighorn gets harder to get into, hopefully it'll yeah transition to uh, Black Hills. Yeah, that's um, cool. So you did, and the guys that run it love it. Yeah. So did you do the uh, the fifty miler there, or the hundred k, or what? Or I don't know if they have a hundred k. I I did. They don't anymore. Um, I actually have never run the race. 
Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, I love to crew that race. One of my favorite ones to crew. I crewed um, my friend Angela, um, who's basically my training partner in Sioux Falls. She did her first 50 there last year, and I crewed her with her husband. That's cool. And then this year she did her first 100. And it was great. It was convenient for me because she was, um, for the first three quarters of the race, about 15 minutes ahead of Ryan. And so I could crew both of them. Um, and then um, she took off like a bat out of hell, and Ryan had blisters over 80% of his feet. So they kind of parted ways. <laughs> did, he, did he power um, through? Yeah. Is he that stubborn to power through? Of course through he did. Of course, of, yeah. Yes, of course. Yes, yeah. That makes so sense. He's part... He's part of a series called Gnarly Bandits. You talk about Midwestern running. Um, okay. Gnarly Bandits, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's um, you do the Zumbro 100, uh, the Kettle Moraine 100, and like three weeks later you do Black Hills 100, and then Superior 100 in September, and then Wild Duluth 100K wow. in October. And if you do all of those, you get to be a Gnarly Bandit. And I don't know what that gets you other than the label, but... Um, so he has to finish each one in order to continue on. Yeah. So, Oh, so he had to power through that one. Well, and he didn't get into the lottery at superior hundred. So the only way he gets in is if he's still <laughs> an eligible gnarly bandit. Yeah. So, that's little funny. extra motivation. Nice. Does he still run in his raccoon skin hat in the summer? No, he doesn't, but <laughs> actually I had to ask. A wonderful guy. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, it's, you know, I laughed at that raccoon hat for a long time, but it's great because we go to races and we say, Oh, we did that race too. And I say, my husband was the one in the raccoon hat. And they're like, I saw him. He's amazing. I'm like, yep. <laughs> um, but actually there's a guy that I met from Hitchcock. Again, another anecdote about how great Midwestern running is. I met this guy at Hitchcock. He stayed till the very last runner was through the finish line. He loves Ryan's raccoon hat. And when we were joking about summer and how he can't wear it, he sent me a hat from um, like Craigslist or eBay or something. And it was like a summer straw hat and a uh, boiled down raccoon skull <laughs> on the. And I was like, oh, my God, Ryan needs that. It's a summer raccoon hat. You're, you're going to wear that uh, in France coming up, right? Uh, no, I, I, hopefully that thing, that thing scares me. It sits on the couch and it scares me. But think how so intimidating that would be to the other competitors, you know? It, it would be something to the other. It would be like a mental mind game messing with them at the start. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't know how he does it with that wrecking. That's out. cool. No, the Midwestern running, like, I don't know. It's just, you know, I know what Midwestern life is like and midwestern people and just like how incredible everybody is um and i gotta imagine that just like transfers over to the running community yeah for sure the goats uh the greater omaha area running trails something <laughs> goats their um running group is amazing and there's been enough kind of crossover with the 605 runners and the goats people that hopefully, and I think it's true, is, is spreading to Sioux Falls. And so we've got a great running community that's growing, and it is very much rooted in Midwestern values. That's cool. Um, Everyone's at the aid station yeah. for like 15 minutes just thanking everybody. 
Yeah, right. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if you're not, if you're not early, you're late, and if you're not oozing compliments and saying thank you, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. I was thinking, I was talking to my buddy who's from Chicago and he was telling me about an out and back race that you do. I think you do a couple out and backs. And I'm like, that almost sounds like miserable to me because being from Iowa, like I feel like I need to wave and like say hi to everybody on the trail, but (laughs) you're like seeing them like five different times through the day and you'd be like, Hey, how's it going? Hey, pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There is a guy at the kettle moraine uh, race in wisconsin this year and after the race there was some facebook post about him asking who he was because he was the most enthusiastic energetic person and it was funny because depending on when you encountered him on the course during your race you either totally loved him and loved his enthusiasm or just wanted him to be quiet and stop being so loud because you were in a major suffer fest zone. Um, But it was great because he kind of became infamous, but it was totally Midwestern. That's so funny. Smiling and waving at everybody. I mean, not one runner went by. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I want to, I want to hear about Kettle Moraine a little bit. Um, So you got first in the race and then fifth overall, which is amazing. Um, But what, what is it? What's that trail like? Cause I, I just went to Wisconsin and ran a little bit and, really enjoyed it so what like what kind of terrain are you going over in that one well if i could do it all over again i would have trained completely different oh really uh i learned about oh yeah yeah i learned a valuable lesson which was you cannot just look on paper at an elevation total and think that you know what that's going to be like so it was about 5400 feet of climb which is not very much for 100k uh, which is the same as Javelina. And Javelina is running through the desert and it's really flat, um, you know, a slight incline for six miles and then a slight decline for six miles. So I thought, oh, it's fine. You know, I spent a lot of time just running, not not a lot of time on climbing uh, during training. And that was a mistake. Um, the, the rolling part, the first part of the course is rolling hills, um, which are deceivingly dangerous because you run them all and then you're just totally gassed. Yeah. Um, because you're running where normally I'm a I'm a power hiker by by trade or heart, um, and I never run hills, and so I felt compelled to run those, and <laughs> I was worked by the by like the turnaround point. But then there's a middle section. Um, it, they call it oh god I'm gonna mess it up like the meadow or something like that and. Okay. If there's any moisture at all, it's a total slop fest. Um, and Mars was a relatively dry year uh, coming into it. And so the out, because it, it's an out and back um, in two different legs for the 100. And the 100K is just out and back. And on the way out, it was a little bit soggy for the front, of a, the, the front pack of our group. And then um, by the time everybody had gone through it, they mashed it down. It was wonderful. Um, and in fact, I was telling these two uh, women who were doing the 100K kind of towards the back of the pack um, that it was not that muddy and it was great. And then I proceeded to face plant into the mud <laughs> and uh, I saved my peanut butter and jelly sandwich that I was eating. But I got up. <laughs> That's and all that I matters. Kept trying. I kept trying to tell people, I swear it's not that muddy, it's not that bad, but I was covered head to toe in mud. Like, I'm, I wish there was no pictures because then it started raining, and I 
I, I want all I wanted was a picture of how much mud was. I mean, my entire left side of my body was covered in mud. That's hilarious. It's um, not that bad. It's not that bad, guys. And no, they're like, I, what is she saying? They're looking at me like, you're crazy. You've lost <laughs> your mind. And, um, so, um, but then we got rain, um, and it was one of the most insane thunderstorms I've ever encountered. I'm sure because I was in the middle of 100K and I was tired and, and hungry, but it was just pouring rain and thundering and lightning Jeez. to the point where... It was ankle deep on the single track um, of water, and there was a snapping turtle at one point that came out and just chilled on the trail. Um, <laughs> but I think you have to, for kettle, be prepared for uh, heat, humidity, muddy conditions. Um, and then the second part of the course for the 100 milers, which I didn't, I didn't do, um, I think it gets really rocky and um, okay. you do a bit of climbing. Okay. Yeah, so, that's cool. And, a, and a, apparently, all I heard about from that part of the course was there were some insane to- toads croaking <laughs> that really just made everybody's night. That's awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, Wisconsin's a beautiful area. I mean, I was my dad lives yeah. in kind of like the Northwoods uh, part of it, and um, yeah, I just I personally like. Now that I'm into ultra running, I'm like, man, what? A, there's no better way to see and like immerse yourself in uh, a new area that you're visiting, you know, thing like just going out and going for a trail run, like specifically trail run, you know, because you're like actually totally. out in it. Com- so, Com- completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. So. The first thing when we go, when we travel, is we try and find, you know, where, where are some trails to run on and see what their terrain's like or what their community is like, you know, if it's a cool trail and nobody's on it, we're like, this place sucks. (laughs) (laughs) They don't know what they've got. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, so I guess that kind of leads in. So you guys are about to, um, head off and head to France and do one of the big time, big time ultras, the CCC. Um, can you kind of tell me like, what are you expecting? Uh, like, what are you excited for? What are you nervous for? Um, things like that. I'm nervous uh, and excited for everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's such a mind-blowing opportunity that, you know, so a couple years ago we were watching, I don't know if you've seen the, it's a Billy Yang video about um, the Nike guys that were trying to like get American street cred over on this European race. And I remember watching it and not really understanding what the race was, but just seeing the Alps and those mountains and I was like I don't know what that is that we're watching but I need to run in those mountains um so that's kind of how it got on my radar and I didn't understand very much about how you apply or you know you accumulate points and what ITRA is and all that stuff but I kind of went down a rabbit hole one day and I realized that I had enough points and my rating was high enough that I actually could automatically get in. Oh, that's so cool. Um, yeah. And, uh, uh, we were talking earlier and I'm on sabbatical coming up. Um, and so normally I wouldn't be able to do this race cause when school starts, um, but because of sabbatical and uh, knowing I was automatically in, I could kind of get my count, my race calendar built around that. And then my parents were going to be over there already hiking in the Dolomites and so they just moved their trip a week forward um the stars aligned so I looked at Ryan he didn't get into UTMB he had applied um for their lottery 
And I looked at him and I said, you know, we've done Leadville for two years straight and it's been all about Leadville. I said, I hate to do it, but it's about DCC this year. Yeah. He was wonderful about it. And so, yeah, we go over and I'm very nervous. I've never been to Europe. I don't speak, I speak horrible Spanish, but of course we're not going to any Spanish speaking (laughs) country. Yeah. Um, and so it's just been kind of the whole thing and I don't know anybody that's done it. So there's, you know, not, not a lot of help there. Um, but the website and guides have been pretty helpful. And so, yeah, we go and I'm just going to try and not embarrass myself. That's, that's my goal, um, is to have fun, not embarrass myself and to look at all those beautiful mountains. Oh yeah. You're going to, they're stunning. It looks, I mean, looking at pictures, I'm like, this is that, that looks like the prettiest mountain range maybe in the whole entire world. I think so. Just throwing it out I, there. You know. <laughs> big words, big words. <laughs> I mean, I'll let, I'll let you know when I get back, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to fulfill every expectation that I have of it being the most beautiful mountain in the world. Yeah. But, you know, we spend all this time talking about Midwestern running. It's like this race is the antithesis of Midwestern running. You know, it's 2,000 people um, who I'm not going to be able to communicate with other than like smiling and thumbs up probably. Bonjour! And, um, yeah, gonna right? Say. I'm going to have, yeah. Yeah, I don't even know. Um, like this we, lady wearing we, this we, raccoon like, skull is trying to speak our language. Yes. <laughs> yes. With, uh, they'll be like, ah, crazy American probably. But um, yeah, it's been, it's been exciting. I haven't really, I'm kind of a, a bit of a procrastinator and a ostrich like head in the sand type person. And so I'm just now starting to allow myself to kind of look at, the course profile and, and kind of race specifics, but um, definitely getting excited. Yeah. Are you guys going out like a week before, a couple weeks before, or how are you going to handle like the acclimation? Thankfully the elevation, like it's not, it's, I think the highest it gets is 8,000 feet. Okay. Um, but I think you're mainly around like 2,500. And so, acclimating I heard isn't too hard other than just like time change. Um, at least that's what I'm hoping we're going out a couple days before, not, not a significant amount of time. Um, just couldn't get away. Yeah. And so I'm spending every moment I can trying to find every hill in Western South Dakota and Colorado (laughs) and just run up and down them. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. That's going to be just, a light, like life changing, memorable experience kind of deal. Yeah. I'm so thankful that Ryan and my family will get to be there and, you know, experience it. Cause I, I, it would be almost wrong. I feel like if I had nobody to share it with. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm terrified, but I'm so excited. Yeah. That's cool. Do you, so I wanted to ask you real quick, just you mentioned earlier, like you were never a runner growing up or, you know, you didn't really play sports, um, when you were younger. Um, but you have, you obviously have this like competitive drive in you. And I know it's weird in ultra running because you kind of, like you've mentioned, like you can run your own race and be really successful where you're kind of competing against no one but yourself. Um, but do you have like an, a competitiveness like if someone passes you in a race like how do you how do you feel like feel in that moment um 
So <laughs> this has been a topic of conversation with my, my friend Angela and I for a while now when we run or when we crew for each other and um, cause she's, she's pretty competitive as well. Um, and, and always at the front of the pack too. And I am somebody who I'm motivated if I'm out front to stay out front. Um, but at the same time, I completely fold the minute somebody comes up. So if somebody's ahead of me or if somebody catches me, I'm just like, Oh, they've got it. You know, I'm doing everything I can do. And so, you know, good for you. You know, I can't, there's nothing I can do about it. Um, and like to the point where I have, I've envisioned finishing shoots where I've just decided whoever's in front, they've worked harder than me. So they should, um, be able to, to finish first. Or if we came in together, I'd be like, well, I walked a little bit and you didn't. So you should go first. Um, so there's a definite competitive nature to be successful, I think, but not necessarily with other people. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Um, and it does in all, it's weird in ultras too, because a lot of times when there's a moment where you're passing someone or someone's passing you, like you're in the middle of nowhere and it's just you and this other person. And a lot of times there's a lot of like, Hey, how are you feeling? Oh, pretty good. And like you run with each other for a while and then just one person ends yeah. up going in front and one doesn't. So it's a, it's a weird moment, you know? I always laugh. So at Hitchcock, the 50, uh, there was a, a girl who was out in front from the very beginning. And I remember coming into the first aid station. I said, my only saving grace is cause she was clearly faster was if she doesn't know how to be efficient in an aid station, because yeah. if there's one thing I can be, it's efficient in an aid station. And I think you can save so much time, um, during a run, just being efficient through an aid station. And she was very efficient through an aid station. And I was like, well, that's, <laughs> wait off. I was like, way off my shoulders. You know, there's zero yeah. pressure. There's nothing I can do. She is so much faster. And she, I mean, the wheels came off. Um, she went out, it was her first 50 and she just went out too hard. And, um, you know, I came up, up upon her on like our third loop at the start finish line. And I just, we both stared at each other. We were both shocked to see one another. And um, I, I would be lying if I said that that wasn't motivating to yeah. say, you know, like, wow, you know, I was able to run my own race and it worked out and let, let's just keep going. And um, yeah. Yeah. What it was the like internal conversation when you find yourself in first, you know, and even in that first 50 miler you were telling me about, you almost like don't want to know you're in first. You're like, please just don't tell me. I don't like to know that I'm in, yeah, I don't like to know. And I don't, I I actually, this is funny. We did this at Kettle um, because it was an out and back. You could kind of see where everybody else was. Ooh, yeah, that's rough. And well, I totally misjudged this bib and this girl who was like a rabbit elite sponsored athlete and just was like a beast. And she was right on my heels. And I was like, oh, well, it's just going to be a matter of time. That's how I always feel. Like, I always feel like there's, I have no business being up front and it's just kind of like, we'll see how long it lasts. Well, she was doing the hundred miler, not the hundred K. Okay. Um, and so I, I had no idea where then the second place person was. I, cause I just focused on that one girl and my friend, I came through Emma Carlin, um, and I was pretty gassed at that point. And I said, do you have any idea where the second place is? Cause I couldn't believe she hadn't caught me by then. 
And Angela looked at me and she said, do you want to know? And I said, yeah. And she was like, do you really want to know? <laughs> yes, I really want to know. I just want, I just want to know. Like, I'm so tired of even spending an ounce thinking about it. And she goes, I think she's like 45 minutes behind you. And I was like, oh, okay. And her hesitation in telling me was that I wouldn't be motivated to keep going. Yeah. Which was slightly true. But I don't know if it's possible in the <laughs> But it was, I mean, I remember there was a train whistle at one point. I was like, well, maybe she got caught behind the train and then I can just have five extra minutes to, I don't know, do yeah. something with. And it just turned out to be a moot point. But um, It is funny though, like yeah. your mind starts playing tricks on itself or like you just, you have these weird conversations that you might not have expected to have like going into the race. Well, I'm just not mentally strong enough to like if if somebody were to come upon me and we had to like race it out, I would just walk and be like, good for you. Like, I can't do it. Like, I just I run my race the way that I think I should run it. You know, I go out as hard as I think I should. um, And I hopefully have stuff at the end. But I can't do anything about it if you're faster or better or have a better strategy or, you know, eight better than me. I, there's nothing I can do about it. So I hate worrying about it. Yeah. It seems like just such a waste of effort. Yeah. Well, um, it seems like that strategy is like served. I think that strategy is really beneficial actually, because then you don't get caught in any situation where you're bonking because you got forced into a race you didn't want to run. Right, exactly. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like I, I, I won't be successful in doing that. So I just, I have to, I learned that from Ryan. He's so, he's so patient and he, I've never met somebody who can run his own race. And so I've really tried to kind of channel that in my running. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Would you ever do, so I interviewed Ryan, like, I don't know, probably six months ago after the arrowhead. Would you ever, Mm -hmm. (laughs) would you ever do the arrowhead? Or is that one like That's, too crazy? No, no, no. Agreed. Absolutely no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I, I have um, runners will appreciate this, but I have really bad Renauds um, in my hands. I have really bad circulation to the point where, like in our South Dakota winters, like we'll run outside as long as the re- the real temperature doesn't go below negative ten. Um, wow. So feels like negative 20s we're usually okay with um but i i have really bad circulation so my hands go numb so like my friends have to turn my car on for me when we're done running or ryan has to help me get out of my clothes because i can't use my hands so i can't even imagine what arrowhead would be like yeah did you were and you I, there and i'm not certifiable uh, yes i was there um it was uh, an insane experience because you can't they can't uh, receive any assistance um, other than from the volunteers at these three aid stations. And it's very counterintuitive as a human being to not be able to help someone. Yeah. So you're standing there and like they would drop a glove and you just want to bend down and pick it up, but you can't, you know, you, you can't do anything for them. And it was as somebody who loves to crew, it was one of the more difficult things I've ever done. So luckily I got to go work the, the finish line aid station and um that occupied some time but yeah that's good well we were i was talking yesterday like because arrowhead and badwater are like two sides of the same coin right like one's super hot and it's the hottest time of the year yeah. in the hottest place and the other one's the coldest time of the year in the coldest place and i was like which one is more 
dangerous because you know usually you think like mm. the hot one right because it's yeah. you, you can't take off more layers eventually <laughs> you know yeah, but exactly. i was thinking about that one i'm like i mean you get to see your crew every few miles you know if you want uh which most people do yeah. and then i was like arrowhead i was trying to remember if you actually have a crew or whatever but i mean the way no. you just described them like you're just running through the minnesotan woods by yourself probably and like really dangerous temperatures it just seems really intense yeah they got a lot you know because it fit the narrative of that polar vortex that came through at the time and so there was a lot of people who didn't understand one why anybody would do that and i'm not sure we all know why anybody would do <laughs> arrowhead yeah but um you know that it was this really dangerous race and the ken the race director um does a a wonderful job of screening and making sure that the, the people that participate know what they're doing. And so they're really, I mean, out of all of those racers, I think they had one issue with frostbite um, because everybody knows what to do. Yeah. And yeah. There's a little bit of peace of mind, of, uh, I think with that. Yeah. That's incredible. They should, re they should like report that out, you know, like, Hey, think about this they were in the polar vortex and there was only one person with like m like possible frostbite issues i was dying so the following weekend i went on a training run with my girlfriends and i got done and i had you know running tights on and tall compression socks and there was about an inch uh where it didn't overlap in the front of my ankles and i got frostbite <laughs> and i <laughs> for like a two-hour run yeah. meanwhile ryan just finished like 56 hours and didn't have a lick of issue you know it was just like <laughs> this is what i'm talking about yeah. these people know what they're doing yeah it's idiots like us <laughs> that's awesome well so i to kind of like wrap up through your ultra running journey what is you know like i i always feel like you you learn so much about yourself as a person um so what is kind of like one of the main lessons you've learned about Emily and like what you're able to accomplish and things like that? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I think that for most of my life, I've been somebody who does exactly, um, what they know they will be successful at. So I only applied to one college cause I knew I could get into that one. Um, I only applied to one graduate program because I knew I could get into that one. You know, I always did enough. Just, I never liked to put myself out there. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe have rejection. And what I found is that with this running, you know, there's a lot of times where I, I sign up and I think, I don't know if I could do this or I don't know if I'll be successful at doing it, but yet I still do it. And so th this is kind of cool. It's the first time in my life I've ever really done stuff where, I've been outside of my comfort zone and I haven't been too scared to try. And I think a lot of that is a result of, you know, having a husband who we share the same passion and it makes it easy. Uh, my group of friends, uh, they, they get it uh, and they, they support me and they say, you know, you should do it or you can do it. Or of course you did, you know, you did it. And so I think that there's reasons why I'm able to, push outside of my comfort zone for the first time in my life, but I'm very grateful um, that I'm, that I'm doing it, I guess. Yeah. Have you seen that um, kind of like 
bleed into your everyday life like besides running like outside of running no (laughs) (laughs) still kind of difficult who is scared to do things yeah i mean i'm very much a routine person but uh yeah i don't know running is definitely an anomaly um for a lot of my life but i would say that i love the running community and i love that others love the running community and I just, it's, it's my happy place. And I would say that I try and bring as much of that happiness into my life as possible um, and share with others. And my poor sister is like, no, I will not go on a trail run with you. And I'm like, no, but you want to. And she's like, no, I don't. I'm like, we all love it. And she's like, no, that's your thing, you know? Yeah. So, um, but I just love it. And I love my community. I love, I don't know. It just, I'm, I'm sitting here smiling right now thinking about <laughs> how great it is yeah that's awesome well i guess so the last question then um if they're if someone's out there and they're listening and they're like living in the midwest or they're like me where i'm out here in colorado and i'm like i really want to experience a midwestern trail race um and i know you've mentioned a bunch already but what would be like the best like first midwestern trail race to like go after you're asking me to choose between my children. Yeah, you got to choose. Yeah, you, everyone has a favorite. <laughs> it's it's okay. No, I was kidding. That's yeah. true. I was thinking, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, so it depends, right? Because there's very, there's races with varying distances. I mean, Hitchcock is great um, in that they've got a half marathon, um, which is a great way to get your feet wet. Okay. Uh, the downfall is that it's a crazy amount of climbing, and it's in December, so there might be snow. Um, the Black Hills race, uh, has a, ver- a variety of distances. We just talked a friend into doing his first 50 miler after doing his first half marathon and, you know, he was yes. successful. So I don't know, Black Hills, okay. I think people should give Black Hills a chance. Yeah. That one looks um, amazing. And Hitchcock, the ha- the fact that they have a half, I think that's huge because a lot of people, you know, don't understand what trail running can be like until they sign up for a race and a 50 K or a 50 miler sounds intimidating sometimes. Yeah. I think Zumbro has, um, and superior actually, um, they both have shorter distances as well, but you know, as with all these races, they've got, you know, one thing that's going to make it tricky. So Zumbro, you never know with the weather. I mean, it got canceled this year, but, um, you know, the, the course itself is, is the perfect amount of challenge I feel like. And so if you get it on a good year, it's a great race and they've got a 30 K as well. I think, um, superior is tough. It's technical. Um, but they've got a marathon. Um, and it's a pretty, um, elevation wise. It's a, it's a decent race, but it's roots and rocks and roots and rocks and roots and rocks. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I love them all. That's awesome. Do you tell your students Sorry. that too? If your students are like, who's your favorite student? Are you like, I don't have a favorite. Oh, no, I have favorite students for sure. <laughs> That's why I tell them too. They're like, who's your favorite student? I'm like, I can't tell you, but I do have a favorite. So, Oh, I someone once told me um, in a response to their, who's their favorite child? And they said, well, this one's my favorite child today. And that's so, actually, that's, that's like, probably the most true thing anyone has ever said in their life from a father of three kids right now. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just say like, 
like Hitchcock is my favorite right now because I haven't done it in two years and it's on the horizon, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kettle Marine is not my favorite right now because <laughs> I'm still dealing with recovering from it. Black toenails. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Emily, thank you so much. Uh, best of luck at CCC. That's incredible. And, um, yeah, if you guys are driving through the Denver area, let me know. I'd love to go for a run with yeah. you at some point. Yeah, we'll do. I hope you get to uh, Mount Yale tomorrow. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, guys, that'll wrap up this week's show. Um, huge thanks to Emily. Best of luck at CCC. It's kind of cool um, for me personally because, you know, you hear about these big time ultra runs um, and it's kind of fun to like follow along and stuff. But to actually have someone to root for uh, makes it a billion times better. So I know for a fact when that race is going on, um, I will be rooting for Emily and hoping she does the absolute best um, that she can while also just appreciating the race itself and appreciating the beauty of the mountains there because, I mean, I know this as someone who lives by the mountains. Pictures don't do it justice. Like, I was up in the mountains yesterday. I ended up climbing my 14ers. Um, <laughs> I didn't do the one, Emily suggested uh mostly because i was like man how far do i want to drive in one day so i left my house at like 1 30 in the morning um drove to fair play colorado which is only an hour and a half hour 45 from my house versus you know where she was describing is buena vista and that trailhead probably would have been like two and a half hours so i was saving myself anyways long story short i uh i ended up hiking some mountains um and it was super fun. There's a little section where you can do four, well, three legally, and then one's privately owned at the top. Um, but you can do those all in a day. And so I went and I, I went out and, and enjoyed that. Um, but I was trying to take some pictures of those mountains. And I'm like, man, like this does not even do this justice whatsoever. And so to think about that as it applies to the CCC and the pictures you see from the trail there in the Alps, those mountains look insanely beautiful in pictures. I can't even imagine, I can't even imagine what those would look like in person, especially running through it, um, traveling it on foot, feeling that way. Like your body moves running down a trail is like one of my favorite ways to connect with kind of like the, the present moment almost like you're like super it's kind of like one of those flow state things for me when i get into flow state running wise it usually is actually like going down a hill maybe it's a little bit technical and you're kind of like moving your body in the exact right way it needs to to successfully get down the hill without face planning <laughs> um and so to imagine doing that on the CCC or doing the CCC, which is, like I said, one of the biggest ultra races in the whole entire world. Um, but also through that beautiful scenery in the Alps, like that's something special right there. So, um, best of luck, Emily. That's, that's incredible. Uh, can't wait to follow along on your journey. Um, and to see what you and Ryan, what, what crazy adventures do you guys get into this year? Um, and I promise you, if you're out there listening, we're going to have them back on the podcast, both of them, because uh, they got some crazy adventures planned. They're an adventurous couple of folks. And uh, some of the coolest people in ultra running 
that I've had the opportunity to sit down and chat and pick the brains of and listen to the stories of. Um, it's been really, really cool. And, and, uh, and I really appreciate it. Um, all right, guys, that wraps up this week. Join us next week. Um, we'll have another awesome guest. I actually recorded three podcasts in one day. Uh, Emily was the first one that morning. And so next week we'll bring you the next one. Um, and I did that basically I'm, I'm, I'm a teacher, I'm headed back to school in the summer. I was like, I need to make sure I'm, you know, using my mental energy towards the start of school over the next week or so. Um, so I was, it was, I feel good about getting a couple, um, recorded a couple in the bank. Um, that way I can keep bringing these to you every single week and, uh, and, and not miss any, which is really ultimately my goal. And along with spreading goodness and hoping that you guys are out there looking for your own adventure, however big, however small, maybe it's a daily adventure. Maybe it's something you've been working for, for years and years and years, and you're finally going to accomplish it. That is awesome. Um, and maybe it's just something like getting yourself into a routine and maintaining consistency. And that is, is really the thing that's going to ultimately push you towards that success. Um, I think I heard something today. It was like work ethic, man, I can't even remember. It was some formula it had something to do with working hard. So I guess that's what I'll say. Just work hard. And, uh, eventually if you keep doing that over time, um, it's going to add up and it's going to lead you towards something that you, you probably wanted to do. So, uh, and who knows, maybe you'll be out there running CCC, um, with Emily at some point. All right. Get back at you later.